Hello and welcome to the Bristol to Beijing podcast. I'm Luke Grenfell-Shaw and I'm cycling from Bristol to Beijing on my tandem Chris. I left Bristol in January 2020 and it's fair to say it hasn't been straightforward so far. As I continue my expedition, I want to share the journey with you. And each episode, I'll be sharing my thoughts and experiences from the past week on the road. And occasionally, I'll also be chatting with someone who can shed some light on the countryman in as I try and understand the world a little better. So, without further ado, what's happened this past week? Hello, and uh, this week it's just me. Kate is on holiday with friends, and so for the next few minutes, you're going to have to put up with the sound of my voice alone, kind of bringing you up to speed on what's been happening the last couple of weeks, because it has been a bit of a while, and um, I'm right now on the streets of Tashkent, outside a cafe called Hig, which is, I think, the Scandinavian word H-Y-G-G-E, kind of means cosy and comforting, which isn't probably the first kind of cafe that springs to mind when you picture or think of Uzbekistan and Tashkent, if you had any preconceptions, and certainly the vibe in Tashkent is totally different from anywhere else in Uzbekistan, and there wouldn't be a cafe like this in Bukhara, Samarkand or any of the villages in between. Perhaps it's a bit less of a surprise that given that it is a cafe like this in Tashkent, I am there. Um, I have just enjoyed a very nice cappuccino as I've been thinking about what I want to tell you about from the last couple of weeks. And for me, it revolves around a couple of stories. And these stories revolve around companions and people who have joined me in Uzbekistan and I think for me this is like a really important topic because I was very aware that Uzbekistan is this amazing country, it's the heart of the Silk Road, people are so so friendly and I felt yeah quite sad that no one was able to come out from the UK and sort of join me for it and uh, share in some of these experiences and that's just the way that the cookie crumbles you know doing it in in a pandemic doing this ride in the pandemic does just make travel very very difficult and uh, soon Kate will be joining me uh, between Tashkent and Almaty but that is still in the future so let me first of all tell you about a little story of some of the crazy random chances that can happen when traveling. And this actually goes back before I was in Bukhara, when I left Hiva. That first day, I was trying to find a place with two things. One was water, so I could wash myself, and the other was connection data, so I could join the B2B meeting. And I was camping, and the first place I went to was just covered in mosquitoes and there was no data. So I sort of just carried on until I found this sort of irrigation channel. I was in a desert sort of surrounded by sand and there's this irrigation channel going through and I'm like, great, this is going to be where I wash. Sadly, there wasn't very much data. So I didn't end up joining uh, the Bristol Beijing meeting that evening, which was a bit unfortunate, but there we go. Other things happened in its stead. So I picked up my tent and I go down to the water side to wash and because, you know, I'm covered in this mixture of like sunscreen and sweat and I feel gross. So although the water is brown and sort of probably quite silty, 
washing still for me makes a huge huge difference it's something that i think i'll always have that although i don't need a shower anymore i still do like to sort of get water on my skin at the end of a, a long day's riding particularly in the sun and it was been it had been very very hot so i you know strip off my clothes and i used to put them on a kind of concrete block that was just being left there and it's by this point it's dark and i go and swim around in the river for a bit come out feeling clean and there are like piles of my clothes and what's odd is there seems to be another pile in, in that's appeared from from nowhere and then this bundle moves what's going on here and then these two little eyes look up at me and there's this wagging tail and a quivering quivering little nose and amidst my clothes had turned up this tiny little puppy gray and black with a pool of pee just <laughs> emerging beneath it as it saw me turns out the puppy absolutely famished and almost dead um, I went and got some bread and yogurt and the puppy just absolutely ate it up and I was just like well I you know do what I can put on my clothes and walk back to my tent and there were mosquitoes everywhere here as well so I didn't even cook that evening I just dived straight into my tent and I was thinking well, I'm just gonna see what happens with that puppy if it's still there the next morning and when I woke up the next morning right outside the tent was the puppy tried to as soon as I opened the side of the tent it tried to come in and given last night's sort of um, uh, toilet performance I wasn't so keen on that but you know that morning I gave the puppy a bit more food and I was then in a real quandary what should I do there's this puppy that I found that was clearly been chucked out left for dead and almost died um, and on the other hand I'm cycling on a bike I don't carry excess items I'm just about to cycle 500 kilometers through a desert can I actually help and I thought about this a bit and it was a very cute puppy I should say at this point and there will be photos on Instagram very shortly of the puppy and so I decided well I, I probably got to do something I, I want to try and help this puppy it's a very cute puppy and I, I kind of want a companion as well I'm doing all this riding solo and so in, the, in one of my pannier bags for the last 2,000 kilometers I've had uh, a good camera that's been in um, the handlebar bag which I don't have on the front of the bike the front of the tandem I just have it in one of the panniers but I take the camera out of that I put it in the front pannier wrap it in clothes and then I've got a handlebar bag which conveniently enough is puppy sized so I pop the puppy in the bag and off we go and we just start cycling into the desert and the puppy's head is just sort of hanging out, looking out the bag, just sort of scanning the road, looking from left to right up. And I felt really uh, quite touched and excited that 
this puppy was now seeing the world in a way that it would just never ever have seen it most dogs would never ever see the world zooming along on a bike and until about 24 12 hours before that puppy was gonna die and now now it's having an adventure so for me i i got a real kick out of that but you're probably wondering you know there's there's one unanswered question here you know what is the puppy's name that's obviously what's on your mind and the first shop I came to I roll up on the tandem which is already a bit of an odd sight you know pink and blue tandem with a trailer with just one person on it as well that always attracts a lot of questions so so where is the other person like who are you doing it with and the number of times I say oh I'm inviting different people to come and join me but just right now there's no one else um, so I come into the shop and the guy's like sort of sees sees me asks where i'm from and then he sees the puppy and as i'm leaving and i should say as well i tell him what i'm doing and he's just like what what do you want um how can i help you and this has been something that so many people in uzbekistan have done they've just said how can i help and they really mean it um and he was like right just just take these two bottles of water and and enjoy them and then he asked me, well, what's the name of the puppy? And I said, I don't know. I just found him yesterday underneath this bridge. I, I haven't given him a name yet. Uh, what do you suggest? And he said, Tarzan. I was like, great, Tarzan. What a great name. I love it. And so the puppy became Tarzan. And now what I think is just very, very cool. And I don't really know what will happen in the future. Uh, with, with Tarzan I would love to look after him and keep him for as long as possible but it is not easy crossing borders right now at the best of the time with a puppy it's going to be even more difficult so that's something I'm looking into and I'd love to hear anyone and everyone's thoughts on the, the best strategy forward um, but I just love this thought that now Tarzan has travelled across Uzbekistan from near Hiva all the way to Tashkent. So he's probably one of the best traveled dogs in the country. Uh, and he's made friends along the way and that just makes me very happy. But then also there's something slightly heartbreaking about this puppy, which has given a lot of people uh, a significant amount of joy, even for a couple of moments. You know, it would have just been left for dead. And so it's really, really sweet just to see people loving him and that kind of getting reciprocated in turn <laughs> however there is one twist to this tale because i although at one point i wanted to become a vet it clearly didn't get very far with me because and this brings me on to the the second part my second story i was told that actually tarzan is not a male puppy but a female puppy so um I, I can't really tell these things from looking at the underside of a dog, but other people can. And um, so I, ha I have a puppy right now, which I'm looking after, which has been christened Tarzan, but the gender is female. So I'm wondering whether Tarzan should be now renamed Tarzana or whether we live in a sort of post-gender, post-name world where we can call anything whatever we want with whatever gender 
And so, yeah, I, I'm not really sure. I quite like Tarzan. I quite like Tarzana too. So I'd love to hear your thoughts. I'm sure there'll be more stories to come from Tarzan or indeed Tarzana. Now, I want to tell you about the second story from these past couple of weeks. And I suppose a lot of people look at the Bristol to Beijing cycle ride and look at what I do and think this is sort of impossible or I need, I would need to have so much experience to come and join. I would, uh, yeah, need to get really fit. I'd need to prepare myself. And what I want to tell you is now a little bit of a story. Say, oh, you really don't need to. Now this goes to, we start the story in Bukhara and I'm giving a talk at one English language school with a totally inspirational teacher called Farhod and I'd love to tell you more about him at another point but he worked out in um, America, studied at Columbia University, came back to Uzbekistan and set up an English language school and his teaching is incredible. The questions he asks really engage the students because he gets them to give their own opinions. Now I talked about the Bristol to Beijing expedition and at the end of the talk I met a guy called Sunat, 17 years old, about to start his gap year here in Uzbekistan and he said I, I want to join. I want to join you on your bike ride. And occasionally people say this and I think well do you really want to join you know, it's going to be it's going to be quite difficult. It's quite hot right now, and so it's like, no, no, I, I really do. And uh, later on that evening, he said, you know, I'm I'm really looking forward to it. You know, when are we leaving? And he sent another message the next day. It's like, okay, this guy is serious. And so on the Saturday morning, we we started cycling. We left Bukhara and we were heading to Samarkand. Now, what's really special about Sunat is that he only learned to cycle last year and the most cycling he had done was a few kilometers around Bukhara. On our first day of cycling we did a hundred kilometers and Sunat was an absolute ace and I have so so much respect for Sunat because he, ju he jumped into something that he hadn't done before, done very little of and just got on with it. It was mind over matter and he kept on plugging away. And it was the attitude that he brought to the bike that was so special, which I learnt from as well. So when, when we're going up hills, my default is just to do everything at the same pace, same effort level. And he's like, Luke, let's go, let's go. And he'd put in this big burst to get us up this hill. And I was like, wow maybe I should be doing more of this. It's so great to have this enthusiasm to attack the hills. And you know, before we would break, you know, if there was a tree 500 meters ahead, Sunat would be putting in a burst, a, a, a really big power effort. And that's something I completely don't do anymore. I'm just very mono, mono power, just put in the same amount of power all the time and just tick off the miles. And so to have this burst of energy from someone who'd really done very little cycling before was was incredible. Um, and I had just so much respect for Sunat in that the second day and the third day, he was pretty tired, but he kept on going and he was still up for pushing outside of his comfort zone and doing so optionally. So on the second night, I said, 
uh, yeah, we can stay in a hotel or we can camp. Um, it's really your choice. I'd be very happy with either. And Sunnah, in his own words, at this point was exhausted. And I expected him to say, well, we'll just go to the hotel. And then he didn't. He said, okay, no, let's try camping. I've never been camping before. And so we went off the main road. We found this little river and we camped by, by the side of the river. We washed in the river, which is again a new experience for Sunat. Not one that he enjoyed quite so much, it has to be said. Um, didn't really think it was that clean. Uh, so he's got slightly different, slightly higher standards of hygiene than me. But I just have so much respect for someone who's, yeah, just up for for trying and experimenting and uh, rolling with it, but being very tenacious at, at the same time. One thing that I thought was really special to come from it, from Sunat's perspective, is that he wore the B2B kit and he decided that he would be a British tourist along with me. So Sunat became Sam and Sam is from Bristol on his gap year and uh, Sunat speaks great English. So we would talk in English and everyone would think that Sunat was also from the UK. And what was so interesting is how Sunat said people treated him so differently. He saw a totally different side of Uzbek culture. So people were honking their horns at us in like a friendly way. They were waving, they were asking where we're from, what we're doing. He said, this is just something, this friendly, really warm, open side of Uzbek hospitality is just not something as an Uzbek he had seen before. And he said, you know, people are usually much more serious. And that for me was a, a really incredible thing, experience to be a part of that Sunat then has now experienced Uzbekistan in a totally different way. And I guess seeing one of the really, really positive sides of Uzbek culture, the uh, incredible welcoming behavior uh, and mentality of everyone. So that for me has been a really special experience. And together we cycled from Bukhara to Samarkand, 300 kilometers. And I think for me, the most special bit at the end of it was hearing Sunit say, I just can't believe we've cycled that far. We've gone that far under our own steam. Like no one, I'm pretty sure no one that Sunit knows, no one, almost no one in Bukhara will have ever traveled from Bukhara to Samarkand completely under their own power. And I just think that's amazing that it can, um, this ride can genuinely open up different possibilities and horizons and ways of doing things. And I think that hopefully, I really hope that there's a sense of achievement and possibility that Sunat has gained from pushing himself. And this has all come from Sunat. I think I'd be really, really excited to see where that takes him in future. And we're, we're already maybe planning him joining for a bit more. So I will, I will keep you in the loop. The, the one, one of the things I learned from Sunat was the importance of product placement. This is something that he uh, was, was very passionate about. Uh, it was the, you know, for, for the Instagram, get ready to promote, um, you know, can of Coke or 
flash energy drink or some like nondescript pack of peanuts. It was all about sort of yeah, look, looking cool with a with a bag of um, with a bag of peanuts. So this is something about you know the younger generation that I haven't yet cottoned on to, but it was you know an interesting learning experience to to, to be like yeah yeah this um th- this bottle of sparkling water everyone should buy it definitely. But apparently that's the cool thing to do these days. So um, that was more, uh, one of the many uh, lighter moments. And so that is it for this week. I really hope that you got something from my ramblings. I will definitely keep you in the loop over Tarzan or Tarzana. Do let me know your thoughts over names. And I look forward to sharing with you some more thoughts and observations on Uzbekistan and of my impressions of Tashkent next week. But until then, I really hope that you have a fantastic week, that you go out and do something that you really enjoy, that you're passionate about, and don't spend as much time on your phone. That's just my personal gripe. And enjoy the summer wherever you are. Until next week, goodbye. And that was this week's episode. I really hope that you enjoyed it, and thanks so much for listening. We put a lot of time into the podcast, so please do support us by subscribing, reviewing, and rating. And please send in your questions that you have about any aspect of life on the road to Bristol to Beijing on social media. Until next week, goodbye.